The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Hey, Rach, how are you? Oh, hey, Min. Lovely seeing you here. I know. What it's a coinky dink. So weird. It's been a whole week. How you been? Good, good. Yeah. I'm super excited about today. We have a story that I think a lot of people know. Um, many people grew up loving. It is The Little Mermaid. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, and I'm super excited. We have an amazing guest that will be joining us, hey. Maddie. Um, you can follow her on Instagram at Chunky Funky Maddie. We will um, also link it on our Instagram. If you're not following us, please do at Femlore Podcast. Um, but before I get into the story, I wanted to tell you about... Um, when we have guests on, we usually collaborate with them for their nonprofit. And this is a nonprofit that Maddie chose and we will be supporting. So yeah, and working with Maddie, um, we wanted to pair with one of her favorite nonprofits for this episode, which is the Loveland Foundation. You can check them out at thelovelandfoundation.org online. And they are committed to showing up for communities of color in unique and powerful ways with a particular focus on black women and girls. Um, um, their resources and um, initiatives, collaborations, opportunities for access, validation, and healing. Um, so yeah, they're an amazing nonprofit. We appreciate everything that they do, and we're thankful that Maddie told us about them. So we will be donating and hope that you will join us in doing that as well. Cool. Can't wait to hear the story, man. Yeah, here we go. So we are telling um, a version of The Little Mermaid from the original creator, Hans Christian Andersen, um, and whose story was originally published in 1836. So we are telling a version based off of that. We know there's other ones that people are very familiar with from Disney. And um, yeah, but I'm going to jump right in, or I should say dive right in. That feels a little more. I love it. I'm here for it. (laughs) Right. Far out in the ocean, deep below the waves, a king lived with his six daughters. The youngest of the king's daughters was the most beautiful and thoughtful. When the youngest turned 15, she could go to the surface for a time. She watched as each of her sisters explored the land. Finally, the day came when the little mermaid was 15. Upon arriving to the surface, she saw a ship, and on it, celebrating his birthday, was a handsome prince. She watched as the men celebrated until, quite unexpectedly, a great storm came rolling in. It was not long until the great ship had been broken up and the prince fell into the ocean. At first, the little mermaid was happy, for she thought that she could show the prince her palace, but then she realized that under the water he would die. Acting quickly, she dove deep into the sea to find him. Seeing that his eyes were closed and he looked as if he might die, the little mermaid quickly got him up to the surface. She spotted land and put the prince on the beach. The little mermaid returned to the depths of the sea, happy that the prince was alive, but sad that he knew not she had saved him. Seeing the little mermaid's demeanor, her sisters found out where the prince lived and brought the little mermaid to see him. For months after, the little mermaid would swim up the channel and watch the prince in the moonlight. She was soon enamored by humans. 
She gathered up courage and asked her grandmother about them, specifically if humans would ever die. Yes, they die, answered her grandmother. But though we have a longer lifespan of up to 300 years, we do not have a soul. Instead, we become sea foam on the surface of the water when we die. There is no way for us to visit a grave for those that we love. Humans, on the other hand, have souls which live forever. The only way to get a soul, the old woman said, is if a man were to love you so much that you were more to him than his father or mother, and if all his thoughts and all of his love were fixed upon you. And the priest placed his right hand on yours, and he promised to be true to you here and hereafter. He would give his soul to you and return his own. Instead of wishing to be something different, child, be happy with what you have. Shortly after they talked, the little mermaid decided to see the sea witch. Perhaps there was something that she could do to help. I know what you want, said the sea witch. It is very stupid of you. You want to get rid of your fish's tail and have two supports instead of it so that the young prince may fall in love with you and that you may have an immortal soul. I will prepare a potion for you with which you must swim to land tomorrow before sunrise and sit down on the shore and drink it. Your tail will then disappear and shrink up into what mankind calls legs. All who see you will say that you are the prettiest little human being they ever saw. You will still have the same floating gracefulness of movement, but at every step you take, it'll feel as if you were treading upon sharp knives. If you will bear all of this, I will help you. I will, answered the little mermaid. But think again, said the witch. For once your shape has become like a human being, you can no more be a mermaid. The first morning after he marries another, your heart will break, and you will become foam on the crest of the waves. The little mermaid still agreed. Very well. As payment, I will take your voice, said the witch, and she cut off her tongue. Not long after reaching the surface, the prince finds her and makes her his companion. As the days passed, the little mermaid fell more and more in love with the prince, but he loved her as he would love a little child. Weeks passed, and it was not long until the prince revealed to the little mermaid that he was in love with a young religious woman who found him on the beach. But he would never be able to marry a nun, so perhaps she could stay by his side forever. Not long after the prince stated his love for the young nun, it was decided that the prince should marry. So he traveled with the little mermaid to a neighboring village and found that the princess who found him on the beach that day was just receiving a religious education. She was free to marry. The two were soon wed on a beautiful ship and the little mermaid danced one last beautiful dance. She waited in sorrow for the morning when she would become sea foam. While she was resting on the side of the ship, her sisters came to see her. They no longer had their beautiful long hair. We have given our hair to the witch, said they, to obtain help for you, that you may not die tonight. She has given us a knife. Here it is, and it is very sharp. Before the sun rises, you you must plunge it into the heart of the prince. When the warm blood falls upon your feet, they will grow together again and form into a fish's tail, and you will once again be a mermaid and return to live out your 300 years before you die and change into the salt of the sea foam. And then they sighed deeply and mournfully, and sank down beneath the waves. The little mermaid took the knife and went to the prince and his bride's cabin. She found them embracing the princess's head on the prince's breast and heard him whisper his new wife's name in his sleep. It is then that she realized this woman is in his thoughts. 
Wasting no time, the Little Mermaid threw the knife and herself from the ship, waiting to turn into sea foam. Instead, however, she saw several beings all around her. She asked where she is, and the beings answered, Among the daughters of the air, a mermaid has not an immortal soul, nor can she obtain one unless she wins the love of a human being. On the power of authority hangs her eternal destiny, but the daughters of the air, although they do not possess an immortal soul, can by their good deeds procure one for themselves. You poor little mermaid have tried your whole heart to do as we are doing. You have suffered and endured and raised yourself to the spirit world by your own good deeds. And now by striving for 300 years in the same way, you may obtain an immortal soul. And so to this day, the little mermaid travels around the world, helping mankind in an attempt to gain what she had sought for a long time, a soul. Well, we're super excited now to bring on our guest, Maddie. Uh, Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to... Thank you for having me. Yeah. Do you want to share a quick introduction? Just introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, Yeah, I'm Maddie Silverstein. Um, I'm a writer, a comedian, a sometimes model, um, and I guess an activist. People have been calling me that lately, so I'm going to go with it. Oh, and recently a political commentator, a very short stint on it love it we want to see more of that we actually we saw your recent video and it was amazing we we want more maddie yes yes. (laughs) the world could use more maddie so we're we're here for it and that's why we invited you on we really appreciate your voice and your perspective and you know i think this story in particular just yeah Yeah. there's so much and it really it's hard because like i have to admit it has a special place in my heart like i Mm -hmm. love the water i love the ocean growing up this story this movie the disney version was just like everything to me and now when i watch it (laughs) or like think about it it's like that's problematic that's problematic no <laughs> all of it's bad and actually when it came out um roger ebert said that it like praised it and said it was a fully realized female character who thinks and acts independently even rebelliously against the uh instead of hanging around passively while fates decide her destiny what oh. yeah so he was like everybody was pushing this feminist narrative and you look back on it and you're like oh no Oh no. <laughs> but No, not at all. Right? Did you did you love the movie growing up too, Maddie? Yeah, I mean my first words were um besides like mom and dad were under the sea. Oh, Stop. So oh my god. Yeah, yeah. My mom says I would walk around and I would go under the sea, under the sea. Oh my god, um so and weird. before I could talk, I would just stand in front of the T V and do like ah. Uh, and I would just put the I would put it on over and over again like I had a flounder stuffed animal like I was obsessed with the little mermaid when I was like really young like I and it still gets stuck in my head I mean those are some catchy songs they put in there I have an affinity for the little mermaid for sure but I think probably around like well, I ended up falling in love with Aladdin after um, The Little Mermaid, and that, like, he became my heart. I was never really in love with Prince Eric, because I was just, like, it's kind of weird he was in love with somebody who didn't talk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just kind and of. Just a I little. I was really talkative <laughs> from a young age. So, <laughs> I was like, Prince Eric isn't really my thing, but I definitely had, like, a Prince Eric doll that I would make a lot of my Barbies marry. Yep. <laughs> well, how do you feel about it now? I mean, because I was definitely in the same boat, like, full-on obsessed with Little Mermaid. Um, and, yeah, like, now when you 
think about it, like when you, you know, like hearing this telling and especially even thinking of kind of how things have changed, like the original telling of it and the Disney version, like kind of what are your overall thoughts? I think that they're both pretty um, not a great message for (laughs) women. Right. Um, (laughs) Like I think when I, so actually when my friend was doing a poll on Instagram, like Prince Eric versus Aladdin and so many people were like, Banning Prince Eric and I just can't like he fell in love with somebody who I mean not that you have to fall in love with somebody that like speaks all the time but it was like he just like fell in love with how he looked essentially in in both stories um so like in the original well he's not really in love with her I guess he thinks of her as a weird child who he let sleep mm-hmm. at the end of his bed um and then in the movie like you know he just falls in love with the idea of this person um and i just and then he doesn't have a voice in either of them it's like a horrible thing like giving up your voice just for the chance of maybe a man being in love with you well and are they really in love with you right but the interesting thing it's interesting you brought up aladdin because in our research uh we found that actually men speak more of the time in the later disney movies than than the women so actually in aladdin Men speak 90% of the time and 71% of the time in The Little Mermaid. Um, and Aladdin, actually, a lot of the time is is men speaking. So it's interesting, like the voice, it's it's so interesting. You think of that, like she's making her own destiny. She's doing all these things and she's lost her voice. So she, of course she won't speak that much, but actually she speaks more than Princess Jasmine, which I think is very interesting to think about. Sorry. Well, <laughs> even when you look at, because like that one is a little like, it's called Aladdin, like it is about him. And so I'm not saying that that's okay in balance. But then especially I think the like kicker for me too, is that in like, what we said, the Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, these ones that are very much focused on a female like Mulan, 77% of the time in Mulan, it's men speaking. Yeah. And that's according to Washington Post. And they actually counted that time when she was posing as a man as well. So it's not like this is only when she's posing as a woman. So, I can't believe that. Yeah. It's I mean, I can't wild. believe it. That's like, I'm like, who, what were the dial? Like, I, I need to rewatch everything. Right. I guess. I'm like, <laughs> but I guess, like, even just thinking about The Little Mermaid, it's like, there's Sebastian, there's Flounder, there's Prince Eric, there's her dad. Like, that's a lot of men talking. And really, I guess the only women who are speaking are her in the beginning and Ursula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That there's no other, like, real female supporting roles in those, you know, supporting voices, but especially to this whole thing about loss of voice. I think what you were talking about that before with like Prince Eric versus Aladdin, I'm totally there with you. But also in our research, we were looking at the fact that the loss of her voice is almost seen as a good thing because she is like a quote unquote ideal woman, like that there's (laughs) no intelligence in other words, like she's muted and just like these, she's beautiful in these two legs. You know, I think there was an opening line about just how she was so like the most beautiful and most, um, I forget what they said at the very beginning of the story, but something about basically that she was very kind or very giving Mm -hmm. and just like, you know, these things that we put on women, like that they're going to be subservient, like that's what was celebrated and not that she had a voice or, you know, when you look at like modern women like you, Maddie, and why we like wanted you here and people using their voice, like us trying to have this podcast. Like, I think it's so important and helping to kind of break those barriers, but it's so messed up that even without them saying that in exact words, 
that's what they're saying through mm-hmm. these actions and through the story. Yeah, and I think at the end of the original, like she ends up basically in purgatory where she has to serve other people. Like yeah. it's seen as like this positive thing, but when I read that, um, I don't really see that as a positive thing. Like she's working 300 years to get a soul by like being selfless and serving other people. Like I don't understand. That's not how you live your life. That's not. (laughs) (laughs) That's I've been doing that the whole time. (laughs) A great message to be like selfless in the sense where you're like helping people, but it's just like, Oh, that's her reward for like already sacrificing her voice and her prime basically Mm -hmm. for a man. It's then like, just like being with these other women in purgatory, basically who are like, we just want to help other people. And, it's weird. It's actually, so weird. But it, a lot of the Hans Christian Anderson stories are like totally messed up. And then mm-hmm. none of us like grow up really knowing the real stories. And then you hear them and you're like, what? Yeah. They're twisted. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this, this actually lends into that Protestant ethics of this story. I think like, it's what is it? Like the self-denial and sacrificing one's own needs to adapt to the needs of like the higher people, like a lot of Protestant feelings of the world or worldview is very much about self-denial, right? Um, and it, it also like makes like quote unquote man, I hate using that word, but makes humanity the the pinnacle of of living. Like you get to be a mermaid in the ocean and you're gonna choose to like walk on two legs maybe? Like what? Yeah. That doesn't feel like the right move, honestly. I don't know. I that's just me. I would have a great time in the ocean, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I mean, if and I could be anything, I'd want to be a mermaid or a dolphin. Like, that just sounds amazing. So that was always my struggle. I was like, why was she giving yeah, that what up? what is she doing? I don't know. <laughs> but again, that did does it. Did you guys ever play mermaids in the pool? Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, if, if only you and I had actually known each other when I used to live in the building where um, your mom lives now, then we could have played body positive mermaids i played mermaids there before like probably just two summers ago when i was home i was playing mermaids in the pool love it usually a bunch of old people there so i'm like whatever (laughs) let them enjoy the show right feast your eyes Um, no, but especially you were mentioning how messed up some of the Hans Christian Andersen mm-hmm. ones were. And Rachel, you had some information about like some of the theories of the original one and like his views. Do you mind kind of yeah, sharing those? Yeah, so um, from what I found, and this is from Lit Hub, but, um, and the article's called Dear, Dear Internet, The Little Mermaid also happens to be a queer allegory. Um, but there was a lot of talk about how Hans Christian Andersen was actually in love with someone named Edward Collin. Um, and he wrote a lot of very uh, interesting letters. I know like men would write very uh, personal letters to each other in earlier times, um, but this seemed to, to cross the line in, in a lot of historians' view. Not cross the line. I don't mean that negatively. I mean like he was clearly wanting a relationship with this person, um, Edward. Um, and Edward got married and uh, um, Hans Christian Andersen actually went to an island and just decided to, f- to write this story. Um, so the love of his life was getting married. And I think that's very, like, you can see that right here wow. in Little Mermaid. Like, oh, th- this guy's really hurting, you know? And it, I and think- the jealousy, mm-hmm. like, you know, especially that part too of like, you know, thinking about stabbing the knife, but then realizing that the prince is 
in love love with this princess and Mm -hmm. then not doing it and kind of going away and like being subservient and putting your needs and desires like on the back burner well and it pushes you to conform right yes instead of instead of saying this is who i am this is who i love it, the con- the the base message of this feels like it's conformity. Mm-hmm. Like don't try to fight, just just accept, right? Yep. Like there's nothing you can do, um, and that makes it so much more sad to me. Like in a, in a way that I like, I really feel very sad for Hans Christian Andersen. You know, like that. Yeah, kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Like my, I'm be... sitting here with like my mouth open after yeah. that information because I'm like, oh wow, that's like a really different way of looking at this story especially if like you know he's a protestant who is also gay like that's very complicated feelings and like still being with somebody as their companion which is what people used to do back then Mm -hmm. um and then you know ultimately him this person he's in love with getting married wow that's really sad Uh, it makes it so much worse i know you just feel really bad for him because he was in this society that wouldn't let him be who he was and that's what happens to little mermaid right Mm -hmm. she's in this society at first that won't let him be let her be who she is which is uh you know somebody who pushes against her father and wants to explore and then she gets the other world and it doesn't help she still is conforming and she doesn't get anywhere And um, I think it really lends to his life, which is just, I don't know, it's just very heartbreaking. So, yeah. Well, and it's like, yeah, it's very heavy, very. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do here. (laughs) We just make things very sad when we read old folklore. So welcome, (laughs) welcome, welcome. But then to look at like in true Disney fashion, though, I mean, like, of course, then there was a happy ending. And, you know, it's like a very different tale of Mm -hmm. how it's told. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about, that version how like women and especially young girls when i look back it is it's kind of like to conform to be subservient then you're going to get what you want like i think that's kind of like definitely an overarching um line or i guess just like view in the disney version which Mm -hmm. obviously like as we were just talking about the original um has all those extra nuances and that is very sad but i think you know it's it's also just interesting to think of how disney took this story and turned it into something of, you know, really still pillaring on that conformity, but mm-hmm. then giving her the happy ending of like, well, yeah, see, cause it's best to be a human and it's best to not use your voice. And then you'll get the handsome prince. Well, as long as you have a lobster, you're fine, right? You can get anything you want. <laughs> and a, a super powerful sea witch. Oh, I mean, right. That too. Oh, let's talk. Let's talk sea witch. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Maddie, on the sea witch? Um, I mean, now looking back at it as a plus-size woman, I freaking love Ursula. You know what I mean? Like, in the Disney version, the sea witch also is very straight up with um, the Little Mermaid. And it's just like, listen, you understand what you're asking for, right? And, like, what the repercussions are. Like, she's not... I feel like the sea witch isn't really, uh, like, withholding any information in the original. Like, Mm Ursula is kind of seen as, like, a little tricky in the Disney version. But, I mean, ultimately, like, I think she's fine. I mean, she's, like, being honest. Like, being like, so you understand this sacrifice, right? So you're going to get to go be with this guy, but he is going to marry somebody else. And it is going to feel like somebody is stabbing you, like you're walking on glass every time you walk with your legs. Um, But you're cool with that, you know? Right. And the Little Mermaid is like, 
you know what I think I'm going to be cool that this guy's super hot. <laughs> So messed up. So messed up. Well, the interesting thing about Ursula and the Disney version, I didn't know this until I started researching it. Um, Harris Glenn Milstead was actually who they based it on. And he was a his alter ego. He was a drag queen and his alter ego was divine. And if you Google photos of yeah. divine, looks exactly like Ursula. It's yeah. so cool. I love divine. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. So I think like there's a there there's something about her freedom um, that strikes you, and I actually think him that being an alter ego, it makes sense why she's so free, you know, because like that's a very purposeful way of being, and I I, I just love that. Like I, I definitely respect Ursula a lot more as I got a lot older. Mm-hmm. Um, she used Same. to be very scary, but yes. like. I love her and so much. What you said, Maddie, about like being a like plus size woman. I mean, because you don't see that in a lot of Disney, really ever. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think there's been like a main Disney character that's plus size, right. fat, whatever. Yeah. I mean, unless you count Shrek. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And yeah. So I mean, I feel like she is definitely turned into like a plus size icon and you know the symbol of even like her sexuality Mm -hmm. and like I just love that about her too and it's funny because as we talk about how we used to view the story and how we view it now like that is one of the big changes as you mentioned I think Rachel that she used to be kind of scary or like bad and mean but now I'm like she's the only one who knew what the hell was up (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I actually think like her her sisters are kind of like feminist too right like they're willing to like cut off their hair, mm-hmm. which is like a big thing in mer culture um, to like l- have her come back and like giving her this out. But I mean, now we know Han's sad life and what that's really about. But I mean, like you're just looking at for what it is. It's just like mm-hmm. these women are like, Hey, we're sacrificing this thing for you. Like come back. Right. And she's just like, you know what? I'd, I'd rather die than uh, not be with this man. Ugh. <laughs> which is so messed up. I feel like there's a couple of things, yeah, to talk about like the price, you know, that she pays and like those expectations on women. I think, you know, still we see that today in modern culture of the expectations of like coupling of, you know, getting married of that women, you know, it, it just all these things that women have to be and you really see that and all the stuff that she gave up and putting that as being just like the highest, most like ultimate prize. I, it, just yeah, really I mean, I, I kind of really felt like the stabbing of feet was like heels, yeah. right? Yes. That is heels. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on heels. <laughs> I haven't worn them in like four years, but I remember they were terrible, right? I, well, for me, <laughs> some people like them. I don't want to, I'm just, they just tended to hurt me. And I feel like, you know, this expectation of like what we're supposed to be when we don't enjoy it. If people like it, then yeah, that's great. But like, for me, it really didn't. I don't know. I'm just a, I just like sneakers. Well, it's funny because like, I love them from a fashion perspective. Yeah, they're beautiful. Like, they're cool. They're Agreed. beautiful. But I, um, I think I shared this last season, so I'll share it again. But there was an NPR story and I think somebody has a book on kind of like the history of high heels. And it's really interesting because to kind of like sum it up, essentially like their original like kind of use was when women like couldn't barely walk. They were wearing hoop skirts, high heels, corsetry, and like they've never been used to help women be fast or move and be free, you know? And like even now, and so I had listened to this and at the time, you know, it was pre-COVID, I was working in an office and we had kind of this bridge that connected two different buildings. And it was like 
a decent walk, not like super far, but you know, I can remember I had just listened to it and I was wearing flats and passing these other women who were wearing high heels because I, they couldn't walk as fast. And it literally, it just felt like such true symbolism of like, yeah, heels sometimes like hold women back. So again, to Rachel's point, if you like heels, wear them, do it, be you, whoever you are, man, women, like, you know, anybody can and should be able to wear them. Like, I am just not somebody who has been fierce and fast in high heels. So they do feel like something of like conformity Mm -hmm. to me as well. Yeah. Unless I'm really drunk, I'm not going to be fast in heels. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly you're like, that's the only the way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. feel that. You can't feel your feet. It's that's when the stabbing, I, stops, the stabbing stops. Then you can stops, be fast. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Then you don't you don't feel it anymore. But yeah. That's just why people's obsession with like Louboutins and stuff. I'm like, how the hell do you even stand in that? Like that. I think because it's like such a skinny heel. I'm like, that's not gonna hold up my fat ass. Like that's especially <laughs> yes, yes. I've gone into like um, model castings before for like really big names, and like they'll give you a pair of like very skinny heels to wear, and I'm like, you want my 240-pound ass to walk on a toothpick? <laughs> right. I can't. I right. can't. And I have small angles on top of it. Like, it's just, it is crazy. And it's, like, still this, like, thing that conforms to. And it's, like, I do think that's, like, a wild thing that happens in plus-size modeling. You'll, you will have these bigger girls wearing these tiny heels. Not that they can't, but it just is, like, from an anatomy standpoint, yeah. <laughs> like that actually makes sense. Like a right. thicker heel just makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's so true. Uh, anyways, we were talking about the Little Mermaid, but yeah, that stabbing yeah, pain too. feels very, <laughs> feels very like real. Heels very... of modern time. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think that that's like I think like with conforming, that's another reason why like Ursula is like seen as a villain, and just witches in general, like in history. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like those were usually women who were like acting up in society and were like banned to the forest because the forest didn't used to be this like cool place to go take Instagram pics. It was like a bad, <laughs> scary place. For a very long time, you were sent out into the wilderness. And these were often women who didn't conform to society mm-hmm. and then were like labeled as witches for like living off the land out there. Right. You know, and I think Ursula is kind of seen as the same way. Like she doesn't conform. Like she is an independent mermaid like living alone like in a dangerous part of the ocean you Mm -hmm. know or like in the original story it's like a sea witch it's like this old lady who's like whatever I'm doing my thing like (laughs) well I always like to think think, at least if in modern times like we'd all be witches together right we'd have a really badass coven I think (laughs) (laughs) but you're so right it's like women have yeah. always been and we labeled t- that we do, way. Yeah, and we definitely talk about that a lot. Like, um, if they're outside of the norm, you know, if they have a baby out of wedlock or anything, right? Then they're then they're kind of cast out, and and it, and then they put curses on people. And um, the thing that troubles me about Ursula, I'm talking about the Disney version now because I love it, and I just want to keep going down this path. But the thing that bothers me about Ursula is like she's evil. Like at the end of the day, yeah. it's empowering, but she's evil. And that makes me so mad. And it, and you know, it also makes me mad from the body positivity standpoint, because we're not supposed to see her as anything but evil. Um, and like, I love the, I love that people are finding her and thinking about her as more empowering, 
But again, at the end of the day, you're right. She's evil. And that's, and I think her fatness is supposed to support her evilness. Like it's supposed to be bad. Yeah. And we see that like a lot. Like gluttony or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we see that a lot, not just um, being fat or being plus size or being anything like that, but also um, any scars to the face or any disfigurement that that inherently is evil. And it's a very tragic and like one-sided way to view people mm-hmm. um and i i just there's something about that that bothers me while i love that she's empowering in some way it's just i don't know what do you guys think well it's just you're seeing through like the message of what they were trying to achieve but i think you know now we can look at it and like find ways of appreciating her but you're right i mean the script on her was originally written for her to be evil and that's probably why they added for her to be fat because that's bad. You know, mm-hmm. they were adding those other layers, as you said, of like scarring or whatever. Like, what else can we do to make her be different and bad? But yeah, Maddie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, she's definitely very evil. I feel like the sea witch in the original isn't as evil, but maybe that's just my perception of it. You know, I feel like she's a lot more like forthcoming. She's basically just like your options are get married or die once you have these legs. Mm-hmm. But Ursula mm-hmm. is like, conniving <laughs> yeah. you know um she is like down to trick ariel just like ruin her life and i mean that does come from the angle that like people who are like sad or like different from society are like jealous of what um like this perfectly pretty person would have to the point where they would try and ruin the other person's life and that's just like not the case you right. know yeah because that's actually, definitely the vibe totally because i was actually even forgetting the whole part about how yeah i mean she it's not like Ariel doesn't just lose her voice in the Disney one. It's because Ursula steals it to use it to try to get Prince Eric for herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 they're very different versions. Mm-hmm. And it's like in the original, it's like he just falls in like love with somebody that his parents recommend that she lives nearby and she's very uh, religious. And then, you know, Ursula in the Disney version, like, sabotages Ariel basically making it so that Ariel could never win you know right. but he does win to Disney <laughs> <laughs> totally that's so true well and I think the voice I mean I know we're going back to that but um it's interesting that it's cutting out of the tongue in the original mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like stealing the voice which again that's disnifying it right a little bit where it's like oh still the voice they wouldn't like hold our tongue out and like have her cut it right, right. that's not gonna happen <laughs> in a disney version um but I, I you know this kind of lends to this idea of castration which i know is freudian and i hate freud but follow me down this path uh the castration symbolizes separation and i think that it happens a lot throughout this story there's a lot of separations here right she separates from her father she um she separates i mean she like physically loses her voice uh, forever that doesn't come back um, separates from her sisters yep it's it's a very mm-hmm. interesting story. I wouldn't call it. I mean, I'm not I'm not a fan of Freud, but I, so I wouldn't call it a story of castration or whatever you know whatever he would call it. But I do think this idea of separation and losing your voice, you know, it's very. I don't know. It it feels very personal. You know. Definitely. Yeah, I when I saw that it was the tongue was cut out in the original. I was like, "There's no going back on that one, girlfriend." <laughs> you, uh, That's it. <laughs> right. You made a choice here, honey. I know, yeah. and she can't. She can't. I'm assuming she can't write. So, like, there's literally no way for her to get her thoughts across. Maybe she could learn signing, or I don't know. Right. But yeah, I don't know what. Like, but he doesn't even try. Yeah. He doesn't. He. 
he doesn't try and like teach her how to write or anything like that. Like in the original, it's like really weird. Yeah. He, it's, he's basically like a pet, which I feel like back in the day was like kind of a thing. And maybe rich people are actually still up to this. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, he treats her as just this sexy little pet basically that can't talk and has no problem with it. You know what I mean? Just this like mute com- companion, which, Again, like, there's nothing wrong if somebody is mute. It's just, like, the context of it is very strange. Right. Um, yeah, because creepy. in... It's creepy. Yeah, because so in this story, it is, I think, trying to, you know, it, at least my view now as a feminist woman I'm looking at it like well that's just because people want women to shut up like they want us to be seen and not heard you think of all these things that were like said to women in the past and you know it's just it's, it's really messed up it makes it's me so really mad messed up. I mean I think you, you're pointing to a great uh, great piece there Maddie because there was a lot of critique on like how he referred to her in the story in the original right where he's like it, like she is just this like cute like he would see as a little girl and it's just like that's just all so creepy like I don't know what to do with that little girl that he would make dance oh so creepy yeah. oh god yeah. yeah no he's not so like but she loved it oh, god. I mean she chose that she also didn't know him and she had no other options she wasn't on tender like hey let me check out this <laughs> other dude like let me just see my option she was like oh this guy right the Ugh. thing I will say is that you know he is 15 and at 15 um, I would say I was pretty mentally unwell in terms of the unrequited love situation. <laughs> right. And so I do feel for her on that front. Yeah. Like I was in love with a lot of people from a distance. And if they were like, someone was like, if you could never talk again, but you could hang out with them at 15, I might've been like, you know what? <laughs> that seems okay. But Thanks not talking for- is really hard for me thanks for keeping it real maddie yeah, that's so true <laughs> you're right just I mean, keeping it real at 15 you're like yeah. and grand 15 back then was like a grown woman but still the chemistry up there is not right right I'm so right totally yeah well it's interesting that we're saying that this is all anti-feminist and cats i'm gonna flip this around get ready hold on to your butts um <laughs> This I actually got some got some uh, resources that said that this could there could be a potentially feminist reading to it, and I just love your thoughts. So, one of the feminist readings was that um, it's communicating that the price is too high for marriage and motherhood, and like you know all this pain, all this ah. stuff, and she actually doesn't get anything. So some feminists read it as like, well, that's just showing like she shouldn't have done it. So maybe it's trying to tell us that like don't even like don't even leave where you are like just realize that that's too much and like don't do it um thoughts wow i think for the original that totally makes sense what we got in the disney version like that would not apply right yeah and how so tell me more um i mean in the original it's like the price is pretty high like she is like basically walking on glass and it's like i think also like when she takes the potions like described as feeling like a sword going through her um, like, she, and it doesn't end well for her. You know what I mean? Like, right. she, she makes a decision and she knows that there's a high, she knows that if he marries someone else, like, she's gonna die, you mm-hmm. know? And, but in the Disney version, it's like, she ends up with him. There's a little mermaid too. Right. Yeah. yeah. The happily ever so, after, I think, changes things. Then the yeah, Disney put the spin exactly. on it. But no, that's definitely really interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think it doesn't, like you say, it doesn't really apply, but I, that's a great point. It's such a good point. Uh, the happily ever after shifts that potential feminist reading. I think the only thing from the potential feminist reading that, I, you know, I maybe wouldn't like is the fact of like, you know, not leaving where you're from. I think in this current day and age, that's something that really helps people grow and like experience and learning. You know, I think there's something to the fact that she was curious about these humans, because I think an ability to be curious and want to learn is like what we need to be able to heal the divides that we see in our country right now. And so I know I'm taking this kind of a different direction. But I think that's one thing that's kind of beautiful. I mean, not to like, give everything up, chop off your tongue and like go but the sense of like, wanting to explore. I always really liked that part. But remember, and I think you're right. That's where it falls apart. But yeah, she's she's basically um, like, that's that's the worst thing she could do. It doesn't end well for her in the original to go right. out and go to a different place. And I, I think that's exactly like, yes, you're right. It's uh, that curiosity is very important. And I, I think she, she gets, I think, uh, you know, going back to Hans Christian Andersen and the tragedy of his life, you know, he he was conforming, he was pushing to conform. And mm -hmm. I do think that's what he was trying to say was like, don't explore, don't be curious, doesn't matter. It's not going to work out. It's for not going to work out for you. Yeah. You're going to get this knife from your sisters after they cut off their hair. It's going to be a whole thing. So just yeah. don't do it, you know? <laughs> Which, by the way, I, I looked at a depiction of that scene where they cut off the hair in. Their bobs look good. <laughs> now, I know that like wasn't the style of the time, but I was like, those are some nice bobs that they gave themselves under the sea. And I know that's not the point, but that was something that really stuck out stuck out to me. I was like, it's not that bad. <laughs> they kind of look like, uh, like I think I've seen that too, where they kind of look like flappers, right? Like that kind of shorter, higher yeah. haircut. Yeah, they look nice. Well, and that's speaking yeah, of my sisters. Like, yeah, totally. And speaking of like, I really loved them in the Disney one. Like, I remember just thinking, of, really? like, wait, wait, no, well, wait, no, like I when I was young, more. looking at it and being like, oh, like this is, they all have their own little shell. I'm like, what do they do? Like, and there were so many sisters that had these pretty voices. But now when I look back and I'm like, what the hell did they do? They just like sat around brushing their hair. They like never they each talked. Yeah. They don't even have a relationship with her. They don't no. even know about her. They don't care about her. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a pretty upsetting. So it's, it's weird like looking back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remembered that aspect of like, oh, they didn't have a close relationship and kind of like feeling for her in that. But like, it's like, oh man, there's so many of them and they have pretty voices and they're pretty. So they're good. But like then when you look back at it, it's like, no, even that relationship was like, mm -hmm. you know, messed up. Yep. I mean, do you guys have sisters? Because <laughs> it can really, I'm one of, I'm one of five. Wow. And it can be, um, it can be like that sometimes. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's like the runt of them, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But in the original, like, they seem close. Like, they right. sacrificed yeah. something for them, for her, for her. And they're like, come on, like, come back. We miss you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's messed up that she didn't. You know, that then she's just off trying to make everybody else happy <laughs> to make it to some ultimate goal so that she doesn't end up sea foam. I don't know. Have it's... you guys ever seen um, The Little Mermaid 2? No, I haven't. I don't think okay. I have. Tell what us. Happened? Yeah, what it's, happens in that it's one? It's basically like, um, I'm trying to remember exactly. <laughs> it's like basically like the reverse. Like Eric and Ariel like have a daughter and like she wants to like be a mermaid. Oh, interesting. And it's like this whole entire, like, you know, it's like Ariel's just like works so hard to like not be in the water. And then her daughter is like 
want her daughter. I think her name is like Melody or some some shit like that. <laughs> and she like wants to like return to the water, but then like Ursula's younger sister, who we've never even heard about, like comes up and like tries to like ruin young Melody's life, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's really crazy. <laughs> but it's I'm just have like to try to watch it now. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but it's just like funny because to me again, it's like they're like pitting like these women against each other in the story also and like Morgana's like gonna like try and like kill this little girl because her mom kill right doesn't Ariel kill Ursula yeah it's like a ship like it doesn't the end oh, of a yeah, ship oh yeah when Ursula's like whoa oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. that's right that's right can you do that one more time Wendy I'm just kidding <laughs> one more time <laughs> if but only yeah. our listeners could see the action I know you're, oh, like, there was a hand and like your shoulders went up and your hands that's went up that's right Ursula great. was really evil in the yeah. Disney one but like yeah that's so upsetting because don't you think Ursula had more to do than just like ruin one when, like it feels kind of narcissistic like but wasn't and i feel like in the disney one there was like a struggle for power between uh, ursula and king triton uh, so i think it wasn't necessarily against the little mermaid it was really more to get to him uh, that i don't remember what the backstory was but they're definitely remember because like when she takes his crown and like she wants to be oh, the queen right. of the ocean that. sort okay. of thing yeah okay that's right. Oh, but that's also that's bad, right? right? Women can't be in power. That's crazy. That ruins everything. Right. Yeah. They have to be evil to want that. Yes. And, yeah. That's ambition. No, definitely not. Of course, Don't do no. that. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Lose your voice. Her dad is like definitely annoyed with her for like wanting to like explore outside mm-hmm. of like what their world is. Like mm-hmm. in the original and in the Disney version. He is not for it. He's like, come on, stop doing that. But it's like, <laughs> why you got a lot of other daughters who are abiding to just like be happy with that maybe right like maybe if he had like supported mm-hmm. her more maybe if they had talked about it like you know is this really a risk that you want to take like you know to give all this up like maybe he could have helped her in another way but again it's like there was no communication there you yeah. know mm-hmm. there was kind of this no so protector. really the moral here is that this is men's fault <laughs> And men should learn how to communicate um, with their children, especially if they have daughters. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. Yep, done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you if you happen to be evil, uh, that'd be great, too. If you have some ambitions, then, you know, just mm-hmm. just go for it. You know, just go for it. Totally. Well, <laughs> I think that's a great place to wrap up. I'm fully aligned with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a lot that we there's talked so, about yeah and there's so much more here but i just i loved hearing from you and and getting your thoughts about it It was so cool to be able to discuss this story with you and you know look back on our very problematic childhood right One of many. well hey maybe I know, we can so i'm like oh, oh sorry go ahead i was just saying maybe we can all meet up and play mermaids someday yeah <laughs> yeah let's do it sorry what were you gonna say maddie i was just gonna say like is the little mermaid canceled like are we done with... <laughs> or I don't know where that stands. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not for canceling because I love folklore and I feel like folklore says very much about the snapshot it's in. And, you know, it was a lot of things that I read said, hey, this is a stepping stone. Yes, it's not perfect, but it gave us Elsa, right? It gave us these other women uh, that are a little bit more empowering than than that era of women. It's moving forward. It's moving forward. I also just think to it 
opens my eyes to always want to continue to question things and look at the original story. Because especially in this one, like now that we know that context too, and looking at the Hans Christian Andersen original one, like I have a larger affinity for that story now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but then on the flip side too, it's like, a story like Beauty and the Beast, where essentially the original one is pretty much was created for when young girls would get married off to wealthier old men Mm -hmm. to like give them almost like a handbook Mm -hmm. of how to just like be happy that they're providing for you, even though they're these like old gross men that are just going to do beastly things to you. And like, that's so fucked up. So like that one to me is canceled, (laughs) Um, which is hard because like I used to fucking love that fairy tale but i'm with you it's like yeah, not me. <laughs> it's so good hey there was a plus size mrs potts i that's forgot right. about her yeah. that's so true yeah, yeah. she was very we got lovely. a teapot and an evil sea witch <laughs> one or the plus other you gotta pick characters. one you gotta pick one you right. can't isn't be anything that, in between wait, isn't this um isn't the fairy godmother a little plump oh yeah Cinderella? Okay. Gus Gus. I always liked that little mouse in Cinderella. (laughs) Gus Gus going after all the extra cheese. (laughs) That's And that's what we've got to work with. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Maddie, for being here with us. We really enjoyed talking with you. Um, Such a great conversation. And we know our listeners are going to really enjoy it. So thank you so much. Thank you. We'll catch you on that. Yeah, thank you. All right. Bye. bye. Yes, and we'll play Mermaid someday. Bye. Yes. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. But you can always find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast or visit us online at femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going. So please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland. Research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr. And as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!